Continuing our farm system previews, let's talk about one of the toughest farm systems to evaluate, the Oakland A's. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. Take care of yourself when you purchase a Jace case, giving you a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's jasemedical.com, and use code Locked On to save twenty dollars on your order. So the Oakland A's farm system is a difficult one to evaluate because there's so many unknowns with this, uh, with these players, right? Okay, so one, the team itself, the major league team they've been a part of. 50 and 112 last year. And there were times when they looked like they, especially early in the year, they could have potentially been generationally bad. And so trying to evaluate these prospects, how much of it are is the environments that they're playing in, whether it's the major league team they're playing with, or even in the minors playing in the Pacific Coast League that is a very offensive-oriented uh, league. So like a lot of these prospects have a lot of questions and like it starts at the very, very top. Right-hand pitcher Mason Miller is the consensus number one prospect in this system to just about everybody, right? 2021 third rounder out of Gardner-Webb and has had a really interesting career arc. I mean, college, pro, everything. Started off in Division Three, was throwing to fastball in the mid-80s. Uh, they found out that he had type 1 diabetes. So he get, he starts to manage that condition, transfers to Gardner-Webb, strikes out 120-something dudes in his draft year in like 90 innings, taken as a third rounder, and has looked really good in the minors, but he's also barely pitched in the minors. So missed almost all of 2022. Strained his rotator cuff, right? Never a good thing. Gets back into the year, goes to the fall league, looks good. Came into spring training last year, looked really good. Fast-tracked him to the majors. He's there, and then in May, oh, so he debuts in late April, and then in May, sprains his UCL. They give him some rest. He comes back in September, pitches a little bit at the end of the year. So what Mason Miller actually did uh, 19 and a third innings in the minors last year, divided between single A, double A, and triple A. You know, some early in the year, some in the rehab process. 1 and 0 with a 1.86 ERA in 19 and the third innings, 35 strikeouts of so 16.3 per nine to five walks, 2.3 per nine, and three home runs. In the majors, six starts, 10 total games, 33 and a third innings. 0 and 3 record. 378 ERA with 38 strikeouts, so 10.3 per nine, to 16 walks, 4.3 per nine. The thing about Mason Miller is the stuff, just the pure stuff, is really, really good. The fastball 
averages 98 and a half miles an hour. Force averages 98 and a half miles an hour. It's a very, very good. He touched 102 in a game last year. Uh, very, very good. Obviously, it's very good up in the zone, gets a lot of carry. Baseball America had some fun stats that uh, in the minor leagues, 46% of uh, batters like swung and missed in the strike zone at the fastball. At a certain point, you can throw 98 right down the middle and strike a lot of guys out, and that's what he was doing. Uh, he has a slider to go with it, and the slider's probably a plus pitch. Uh, they Baseball America had the stat since in the mid-80s, kind of a sweeper-looking thing, but 47% whiff rate in the major leagues. Like, it, it, the stuff is good, right? He had a cutter that he brought back in 23 uh, mostly against lefties, has a changeup. The changeup's probably the worst of the four, and it's average, right? So the stuff is really, really good. But the issue is, one, availability, and two, future availability, right? Again, he's thrown under 40 innings in the minors. He's thrown 33 innings in the majors, and he's been part of the team for multiple years now. And so what you've got to figure out is... Where can, like, what type of role can Mason Miller pitch in that keeps him healthy enough to contribute? And is what we've seen in this small sample, is this real? Is this really who he is? And they've indicated that they're thinking about using him in the bullpen versus the rotation. Really curious to see what happens Um in 2024, I think the winter meetings, they said it's probably going to be relief. And we assume the UCL sprain's fine. He came back and pitched some last year. But just really kind of interesting to see what happens here. Tyler Soderstrom, technically not a prospect. Uh, he got 45 games in the majors last year. But I still think we need to talk about him when we discuss this team. First rounder in 2020, 77 games in AAA last year, 45 in MLB. And they couldn't have been different as far as the outcomes, right? In AAA, 252, 308, 526, 21 home runs, 40 extra base hits for Tyler Soderstrom, 25 walks to 88 strikeouts, two for two on stolen bases. Uh, he played, he caught 38 games, he played first for 28, and he DH for 11. In the majors, not nearly as successful, 45 games. 160, 232, 240 for Tyler Soderstrom. Three home runs and four extra base hits. 11 walks to 43 strikeouts. Did not attempt a stolen base. Still played more catcher than first base. 15 uh, games at catcher, 10 at first, and 18 at DH. But had some playtime issues because you have Ryan Noda. You have uh, Shailen Aliers. Kind of hard to figure out time for him to, to play. Now, when he did play... A lot of the the numbers, like under the hood, especially the like the triple A numbers, were I mean, 252 batting average is okay, but all of the underlying metrics were even better. 74% contact, but 83% zone contact. You feel good about that. Exit velocities, average was like 91, 90th percentile was like 107 and a half, right? So really good. He's also uh, he also chased 33%, which is below average. So the major league sample didn't go well 
at all. But I think that's kind of an outlier. And who he is is a guy that can both hit for power and hit for average. The issue you have is, I don't, and I've talked about this before, I don't think he was ready to come up last year. I think they rushed him up a little bit early and probably should have waited before they called up Tyler Soderstrom simply because having a shortstop or having a catcher that played often in Shea Langoliers because he's a very, very good defender, having a guy at first base at first base and Soderstrom having to kind of bounce around three different positions. One, it put a lot of pressure on the bat to perform. And two, you saw that he started to, he started to carry some of the offensive struggles onto the field with him, right? Started to press a lot. So not a prospect, technically, according to MLB, but still want to see what happens this year because I think it's a pivotal, p- pivotal, pi- I think it's a pivotal year for Tyler Soderstrom and Oakland needs him to be a good player in 2024. And then outfielder Denzel Clark is probably the number three prospect in this system. 2021 fourth rounder out of Cal State Northridge got 64 games in double A last year, 261, 381, 496, 12 home runs, 27 extra base hits, 37 walks to 85 strikeouts and 11 to 12 on stolen bases. Played center field for 42 games, played right field for 15 games, and DH'd for six. And the thing for Denzel Clark is he is kind of a microcosm of a lot of the outfielders in this system, right? Super talented, super toolsy, uh, was able to show the progress, which not every guy in the system has done. We'll get to that in a little bit later. Like his contact rate year over year went from like 63% to 70%. So he he improved significantly there. Uh, The power is good. His defense is good. But he's also struggled with injuries. Uh, Three years, he's played like 165 games. So kind of emblematic of this system as a whole for, for... uh, the potential of these outfielders, the struggles of these outfielders, and the lack of availability of a lot of these guys. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. Uh, now, we're in a really weird time where it's like the worst flu season in a decade, but the FDA is talking about pharmacies potentially running out of antibiotics, like amoxicillin. We've seen stories in the last year or so of different medications, whether it's ADHD meds or things like that, that they just don't have right now. And so the idea of Jace Medical and their Jace case is you have a pack at home of five different antibiotics that can be used to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, parasites, all kind of other stuff. This stuff can happen to any of us at any time. It's not just if you're a world traveler or if you like to go camp or things like that. So if you visit jacemedical.com, they do a quick, what they call physician encounter. It gets reviewed by a board certified physician. And then those medications are dispensed to you by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost so that at home, you are prepared for if something happens. Go to jacemedical.com, use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. Again, it's jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com. Okay, so 
the Oakland A's are in a really interesting situation for 2024. They've had some guys come up, like a Tyler Soderstrom, like a Lawrence Butler, come up and maybe struggle a little bit at the major league level, and they're trying to see if they can get better performances on their second taste of the major. So let's talk about Butler real quick. 2018 draftee out of high school. Uh, and it's something where he was one of those guys that used the, the lost 2020 season to come out looking like a better player, right? And so last year, 67 games in AAA, and he gets in 42 games at the major league level. In AAA, 285, 352, 465 for Lawrence Butler. 10 home runs, 29 extra base hits in 67 games, 30 walks to 60 strikeouts, and 13 of 15 on stolen bases. And some of these numbers like got significantly better. His contact rate went from 66% in 22 to 76% in 2023. Like surprisingly I mean, a significant jump and one we don't normally see like a jump that big is not incredibly common, right? So the contact rate got better. The power is still really good. Average exit velocity of 90 miles an hour, 90th percentile exit velocity of 106. It's clearly at least above average, if not plus power, right? It didn't all entirely translate at the major league level. In those 42 games, 211, 240, 342. Four home runs, eight extra base hits, four walks to 35 strikeouts. Did not attempt a stolen base. So you kind of see this is, this is some of the difficulty is these guys are developing. They're getting better. And then when they debut at the major league level, the performance is not there. Now, that's not true for everybody. Zach Geloff came up and looked really good at second base. But in this system, how much of those struggles are because of the player? How much of those struggles are because of the major league team and the situation they're in? That's where it's really difficult to figure things out. And I feel like Lawrence Butler is a good prospect. And just because he struggled the first time up doesn't mean he's not going to end up being a major league player, right? A lot of players struggle in their first call up. But what's frustrating, I'm sure, for a lot of prospect evaluators is that so many guys in this system, with some exceptions like Geloff, keep doing that, right? They keep coming up and struggling. A guy that's going to come up this year and, or probably come up this year, and I could see how he could struggle, but I hope he doesn't, is right-hand pitcher Royber Salinas. Got in 18 games last year, 16 starts in double-A. Uh, was added to the 40-man roster in the offseason, so he's going to go into spring training, probably with an invite to spring training and a chance to win a job. Uh, 1-5 in five record in the minors. Again, record doesn't matter in the minors, but we still mention it because sometimes it's really interesting. 5-4-8 ERA in 67 in the third innings. 89 strikeouts for Roy Rosalinas. That's 11.9 per nine innings to 31 walks, 4.1 per nine innings with nine home runs allowed. 1.2 per nine. I think part of the issue is, I think some of the issue for Salinas is the command hasn't always been there. Now, he's done things to get better. So the fastball, he used to throw it 98, 99 miles an hour, and the command wasn't really there. He dialed it back a little bit to 95 or so. Uh, is still uh, is still pretty effective, still has the good carry up in the zone and things like that, but he can control it a little bit better. 
uh, has a has a slider has a uh, more of a sweeper, but a slider and a curveball. Uh, the slider mid 80s again, mostly horizontal movement, not a true sweeper, but pretty close. Curveballs mostly vertical movement, not a true vertical breaker, but close. Uh, curveball upper 70s, slider mid 80s, and so you see a mix of different things there, right? A mix of different pitches, and the thing here is. It's all going to come down to how much control does Roy Brasilianus have, right? Uh, if he can, if he can not walk more than I don't know ten percent of batters or so, I think he's going to work out as a starter. And if not, you're looking at he's going to be in the bullpen, probably along with Mason Miller, and there'll be a one-two punch with amazing, uh, amazing fastballs and just a lot of weapons to attack hitters. Catcher Daniel Susak. There's a possibility you see him as well in 2024. Got 112 games between high A and double A and mostly in high A. So that's why I'm a little hesitant on saying you will for sure see Daniel Susak. But really, really good stats from when he from from his season last year. 301, 365, 428. Eight home runs, 32 extra base hits. 41 walks to 102 strikeouts and 9 and 9 on stolen bases. Uh, the issue for Daniel Susak, the slugging wasn't very high, right? 428. Part of the reason there is it's his swing, right? Um it's he's I think it's his career ground ball rate is over 50%. And so like it doesn't matter how hard you hit the ball if it's at a negative 2 degree launch angle, it's not going to be a home run. It's not, it's not going to leave the ballpark, right? And so he does a lot of other stuff. The contact rate last year was like 78%, right? But he only hit eight home runs because more than half of those things were on the ground. So that's, you see some things he has to work on. Defensively, like he played, he, he was a catcher. He did not play any first base. He was a catcher. 22% caught stealing, 988 fielding percentage. When you watch him, he looks pretty good. I mean, he looks like a pretty decent catcher. The question's going to be if he comes into spring training and this season and he's hitting the ball at more of a more natural uh, loft in the swing, he could be up by the second half of the year. That's obviously the question. And then the other part of that question is how much does Soderstrom play uh, play behind the plate? Because you're not going to call up Susak as a third catcher. There's no reason to carry three. And so if Soderstrom is playing more first base than behind the plate, that's where maybe you see Susak come up. A little bit of stuff contingent there. Another guy you're probably going to see him is Darrell Hernize. Uh, got an 131 games last year between AA and AAA after being a, a fifth rounder in 2019. Stat line, really, really good. 321. 386, 456. Only hit nine home runs, 45 extra base hits, uh, 50 walks to 75 strikeouts, and 13 to 18 on stolen bases. Contact ability, really, really good. 79% contact, 89% zone contact. The power was really good as well. 90th percentile exit velocity of like 106. But the issue here is kind of like Susek hitting the ball on the ground, right? He's got to loft the ball a little bit. Uh, it's, I don't know where he's going to play. There's other guys who profile. Obviously, you have somebody at second. 
Um, is he a shortstop? Is he not a shortstop? Does Jacob Wilson, who we'll talk about in the next segment, does he take over shortstop? A lot of questions about where he plays. I uh, could end up being a utility guy, but the potential is here to both have a decent hit tool and a power tool if he can work on the launch angles, kind of like Susek. Issue you have to figure out. Now, that is easier said than done, but we'll see what these guys can do. In just a minute, let's talk some of the lower level prospects as well as give our dart throw. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL regular season has concluded. We're now getting into the postseason. Starts this weekend. And if you want a chance to get bonus bets on FanDuel as a new customer, now is your time. You can get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to place that first bet today and get your $150 in bonus bets. Whether you get that first bet, whether you win it, or whether you lose it with FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so I want to talk about a guy that I really like, and then we'll get into the conversation about uh, the toolsy players in this system. We we need to talk about right-hand pitcher Luis Morales. I think he's, outside of Mason Miller, probably one of the most intriguing uh, pitching prospects in this system. Signed in January 2023, for $3 million bucks at 20 years old. So just a really weird kind of setup right there. Not a common combination that you see. Started off in the DSL last year. Ended up in high A. Again, he's, a, he's 20 years old, so he was old for the DSL. So they brought him over here, and he went, I mean, he went rookie ball, he went to A ball, and then high A. 0-5 record, doesn't matter. 2-8-6 ERA in 44 innings pitch for Luis Morales. 53 strikeouts, 10.8 per nine, 15 walks, 3.1 per nine, two home runs allowed, so 0.4 per nine innings. Um, The stuff is really good. The fastball sits mid to upper 90s. It'll be, um, the, his starts weren't super long last year, mind you, uh, you know, so keep that in mind. But he would open up 97 miles an hour, right? And he'd be close to 97 by the time the start ended. Granted, it was a shorter start. So we don't know what he's going to do in five innings or so. But he had that. He has a breaking ball. And I'm hesitant to, I don't know if it's two separate pitches or just one that changes the shape. It doesn't look like it's on purpose. Looking by where the um, the catcher sets up and by his reactions when it misses sometimes. I don't think it... Like, I don't think it, uh, it, it's supposed to be not sure where it's going. That's just what ends up happening. So I don't know if it's a sweeper, if it's a curveball with two-plane break. Again, I think it's supposed to be one pitch that just keeps changing shape, and I don't think the changing shape's on purpose. But the movement is really good. A lot of, like, a lot of spin, a lot of movement to it, whatever it's supposed to be. And maybe it's supposed to be two, and I just don't know. That's fine. But... He'll throw it to both a righty and a lefty. He's comfortable with the pitch, despite not always knowing where it's going to go. So, some things to work on, obviously. Uh, one, he has a changeup. Uh, looked decent, didn't throw it a ton, so you need to see more of that. Uh, but the stuff is legit. You just need better location. 
and then more consistency with either that one breaking ball or more separation between the two breaking balls. If it's a sweeper and a two-plane breaking curve, again, I don't know which one it's supposed to be. So either way, again, stuff is really good, especially for a 20-year-old. Curious to see what happens in 24 if Luis Morales gets longer starts so that we can see does the stuff hold up and how has the consistency and the strike throwing improved on a year-to-year basis. Shortstop Jacob Wilson is a top prospect drafted last year in the first round out of Grand Canyon and is kind of the, the, the highlight of the other type of player in this system. So everybody in this system is either super toolsy but flawed, right? And you look at a guy like uh, Denzel Clark's a great example. Super toolsy, had issues, and because he solved those issues, he's now a top prospect. Uh, or it's a guy like Jacob Wilson that has a really high floor, but a pretty low ceiling as well. So uh, 26 games last year between rookie ball and high A. 333, 391, 475. One home run and 12 extra base hits. Six walks to 11 strikeouts and four or five on stolen bases. Uh, the thing to know about Jacob Gonzalez, uh, Jacob Wilson, the reason we say he has such a high, uh, such a high floor, is the contact ability is very, very good. Last year, contact rate of 90 percent, not zone contact rate, contact rate of 90 percent was even better with zone contact. This is the guy. If you'll remember from our draft talk last year that struck out like single digit number of times in college baseball last year, he had an in zone contact rate in college of 98%. Okay. Contact rate is really, really good for Jacob Wilson. The power is not in college with a metal bat last year. His 90th percentile exit below was hundred miles an hour with a metal bat. So I mean, is it possible he picks up some more in the pros? It is. He's 21 years old. He has the frame for it. He's like 6'3", 190. But the present power is well below average, right? So it's a high floor, but it's a lower ceiling. He's a pretty decent defender. I mean, he, he, he could be, he could be a, a plus defender at short that runs a batting average of 300, right? Your, your peak outcome is like he could contend for batting titles, but he'll also, you'll also be lucky to get 10 home runs and maybe 10 stolen bases out of him. So the floor is really high, but the ceiling's not that much higher than the floor. And so there's a lot of players like him. Brett Harris, the third baseman, is another guy kind of fits that mold. And then a lot of the other guys are super toolsy, but flawed and have a lot of development to do. So we'll talk about Brett Harris real quick. Uh, the question here is going to be, does he have enough power to be a regular? He's a third baseman, 105 games last year between double A and triple A, 279, 383, 424, nine home runs, 35 extra base hits, 50 walks to very nice six to nine strikeouts, 10 of 11 on stolen bases. Does he have enough power to be an everyday starter at third base or does he end up being a utility guy? They played him at mostly third base last year. He did play some second and short. So is he another utility guy like Darrell Hernandez, or does he hit for enough power to hold down a spot at third base? Um, an example of the 
super high ceiling player that hasn't worked out yet, outfielder Henry Bolt. Okay. Second rounder out of high school in 2022, spent 112 games in single A Stockton with the Ports last year. 257, 356, 421, 14 home runs, 36 extra base hits, 62 walks to 164 strikeouts for Henry Bolt. Super toolsy, right? 32 of 41 on stolen bases. Good speed, uh, power, you know, power potential, all of that's there, but. 33.4% strikeout rate and a 61% contact rate. A lot of these guys, especially in the outfield, are super high ceiling, super low floor guys. That's what we got to figure out. Real quick, uh, while we have a chance, the dart throw. Not a typical dart throw because he's probably talked about a little bit more, but outfielder Colby Thomas, 2022 third rounder out of Mercer. I feel weird making a third rounder the dart throw. I know, but 126 games last year between single leg and high A, 286, 351, 493, 18 home runs, 63 extra base hits, 37 walks to 146 strikeouts. 25 of 31 on stolen bases. Another guy, really good athlete, showed power, showed speed. Looks like he could do a lot. Little bit of questions about the strikeouts, obviously. Strike contact rate, 67%. He's the one, when I look at a lot of these guys, he's the one that I feel like could improve the most. So if he's able to improve that strikeout rate, or that contact rate from 67%, I could absolutely see him climbing up the boards rather quickly. But he's an example of a super athletic outfielder in this system that has some pretty glaring flaws. But if he fixes it, like how Denzel Clark went from an identical, from a 63% contact rate to a 70, he all of a sudden becomes a rated prospect. Fantastic week this week. Any, if you have questions for the Monday Mailbag, if there's a guy we left out of the show you want to know about, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. We have an email. We have a Discord. All of that stuff in the episode description in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.